Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in for Simon Morris. At times like this, the very concept of cinema seems under attack. All the picture theatres are closed. In virus times, sitting in close proximity to a possibly infected person seems like the most reckless behaviour you can imagine. Sharing armrests, yuck. Even before the Level 4 restrictions were put in place, Ian McLeod from Wellington's Penthouse Cinema was worried about the effect COVID-19 was having on attendance, but also on global distribution. Here he is talking to Simon Morris on last week's Standing Room Only. Start of the year, we were planning to have March to June have about 24 new films. It's for us as a small cinema. Mm. Um, however, now before the start of June, we've only got four films left. Most of those have been supplied by the local uh, distributors, Rialto and uh, Limelight. So, what sort of films are we talking about? What sort of films are we talking about that are being pulled? Uh, we've pulled so far James Bond, Peter Rabbit, Mulan, Hope Gap, Promising Young Woman. Black Widow, Wonder Woman, Minions, Top Gun. And it just carries on. Everyone in the industry is doing it tough at the moment. There's no production anywhere, so actors and crew have all been laid off. In New York, there's been a fundraising campaign to support cinema attendants and ushers who were let go with no notice a couple of weeks ago. The New York Cinema Workers Solidarity Fund. At last count, they'd raised nearly $75,000 from loyal and caring cinema-goers from around the world, enough to pay unemployed New York ushers, projectionists and theatre managers, counting on my fingers here, $200 each. This is a triumph compared to the traditional laissez-faire American alternative, which entails sleeping under bridges and picking apple cores from garbage cans. In the USA, charity seems to be the only suggestion. Netflix have donated $100 million to a foundation supporting production workers who have been laid off from their shows. A small price to pay, you might think, if those people had helped grow your company to be worth, counting on my fingers again, $33 billion. If you want to know how many $100 million donations you could make from $33 billion, well, it's quite a lot. Meanwhile, distributors overseas are taking the opportunity to fling their pictures at streaming services in the hope that they can make some coin while their film is still hot. One distributor who is going about that the right way is Kino in the US. Their film, Baccarat, was scheduled to open just as all this nonsense kicked off, and the cinemas in New York closed, so they sold online tickets to their film, but at the same time they committed to give every cinema they had a contract with a percentage of that income, hopefully protecting the infrastructure they're going to need later on. Meanwhile, some commentators are asking, is this the end of cinema altogether? Will the giant content owners take advantage of this crisis to squeeze the theatrical window and push their movies onto their own global platforms before local cinemas have a chance to cash in? Or will audiences decide that they quite like watching films on their new giant and virologically safe home theatre screens instead of beside yucky strangers a 20-minute drive away? 
One thing I can predict is that the economic way out of this problem will involve very low cost and very low interest, high quality consumer electronics. Christmas TVs will be very cheap, mark my words. But the question of audiences remains. How much do we love sharing the experience of a movie with strangers? I can tell you that twice recently I've been blown away by a film because of the audience reaction. Bong Joon-ho's Parasite and Lee Wanell's The Invisible Man. And Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit doesn't work half as well if you're watching it on your own in your lounge room. Audiences matter. But the dollar signs remain influential. This is the first time in the history of motion pictures that theatres are closed. They survived world wars, assassinations and terrorism. Streaming revenues still suck compared to a big theatrical release. This is why so many films have chosen to be delayed rather than dropped online. They can't afford to leave that sort of money on the table. So, it's in the interests of the blockbusters to have cinemas, which means that we will still have them. But what about the Kiwi mainstay, the silver tops, the greatest generation that kept our art house cinemas afloat for decades while talking through every film? If COVID-19 takes them, where will the audience be for Kristen Scott Thomas and Maggie Smith? Those cinemas have overheads that are more manageable, audiences that are more loyal, and hospitality standards that are more reliable. But is that enough? And then there's the festival. They've been quiet over the last few weeks, watching and learning, I suppose. The other day they released a cryptic tweet, basically saying, watch this space. I guess that means they don't know anything either, but they want us to think they do. Long ago, the world was full of wonder. It was adventurous. Exciting. And best of all, there was magic. Spare a thought in these trying times for the Disney company. Last year, their films dominated at the box office, raking in over a billion dollars worldwide. Today, pretty much every aspect of their business is on hold. The theme parks are closed, the cruises are cancelled, the plushy toys are stuck in China, DVDs are in stores that people won't visit, and especially their theatrical releases are now on hold until who knows when. Only a couple of weeks ago, I was reading early reviews for Mulan, shot here in New Zealand by Kiwi director Nikki Caro, and was excited for something that seemed to be a genuine high-quality reimagining of Disney's intellectual property. Right now, I wouldn't want to predict when I'm going to see that in a cinema. One film did manage to sneak into the pictures just before the shutdown, and I'm betting that the Disney powers that be are wishing that it hadn't. Onward, from the famous Pixar studios, could have done with a little more time for more jokes to be added, because it's actually strangely off-key. <laughs> hey, what's up, gang? Oh, hey. Uh, Ian, right? Oh, I didn't know you knew my... Anyway, uh, if you like parties, then I'm, I was going to do a party... What? What I was trying to say is if you're not doing anything tonight, but I, I, I'm sure you probably are doing something tonight, and you like cake, like I like cake, I've got a cake at my house. Are you inviting us to a party? That's the one. Oh, yeah, we don't have any plans. Yeah, okay. Totally. Yeah. Really? I, I guess we can just take the bus over to my house. Oh, no, 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 no. Aha! Is that the birthday boy I see? 
that awaits. Do you know that guy? Uh... Sir Eandor of Lightfoot. Seems like he's talking to you. Hey, Ian! Hey, Barley! Onward is set in a world inspired by fantasy novels, films, and especially games like Dungeons and Dragons. But it's also meant to be very recognisably suburban to us. That's because the elves, pixies, cyclopses and centaurs have discovered that magic isn't as convenient as electricity and therefore the old ways have fallen into obsolescence. We meet a young elf. I think he's an elf. It's not entirely clear, but he and the rest of his family do have pointy ears. Uh, And his name is Ian. His voice belongs to the young Spider-Man, Tom Holland, and today is his 16th birthday. His mother, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, digs a dusty old package out of the loft for him, to the delight of his slightly embarrassing bogan older brother, Barley, voiced by Chris Pratt from the new Jurassic Park films. It's a wizard's staff with a spell attached. This spell, if handled correctly, will bring the boy's father back from the dead for one single day. He passed away when they were both very young, and Ian has no memory of him, only mementos. Visitation spell. I don't believe this. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad. Oh, Will, you wonderful nut. What is this? Now, a spell this powerful needs an assist element. I mean, for this to work, Dad would have had to find the Phoenix Gem! There's only a few of these left. Because the brothers are not terribly experienced at magic, the spell only half works, and in the only bit of genuine weirdness in the film, their father only reappears from the waist down. He's just legs in a pair of slacks. Now, to complete the spell and bring their father back, they have to go on a quest to find a very rare phoenix gem which will magnify their powers and complete the task. But they must do it before the sun goes down the next day. But... Where do you find a phoenix gem? You need a map. Barley's favourite role-playing game, a version of Dungeons & Dragons called Quests of Yore, suggests they need to get one from a mythical beast called a manticore. But like everything else in this suburbanised world, the manticore is no longer a terrifying and ferocious beast. She's the owner of a family restaurant hosting children's birthday parties, and she has the voice of Octavia Spencer. She looks like she lived to take risks. That manticore didn't have investors to look out for. She didn't have payroll to cover. She could just fly out the door whenever she wanted and slay a magma beast. Are you going to fix the machine or not? Yeah, in a minute. Okay. Maybe this place isn't as adventurous as it used to be. So it isn't filled with a motley horde willing to risk life and limb for the mere taste of excitement. But so what? Whoever said you have to take risks in life to have an adventure? Apparently... You did? Eventually, our heroes get a map and continue their mission. And as you would expect, their quest is actually more about discovering what is in their hearts than what lies beyond the mystic mountain or across the infinite chasm. This is a Disney Pixar movie, so the big surprise here is that there are no real surprises. I've become used to thrillingly inventive visuals, great comedy and deep emotion. A new Pixar was always a reliable event, but this felt more like a product from the B-team. It's written and directed by Dan Scanlon, who made the Monsters, Inc. sequel Monsters University in 2013. And as I recall, that was a bit of a disappointment too. The themes of fathers who died too young to know their kids is obviously 
deeply personal to Scanlan, and the Pixar tone police have enforced all the emotional notes that the story requires. But without the balance of some genuine entertainment, it just comes off as mawkish. Barley, come on. This is all just... I'm not a screw-up. I didn't say you were. The magic said it for you. Well, the magic got it wrong. Magic doesn't get it wrong. The cop asked a question, you answered, and magic revealed the truth, right? Right? I don't know how any of this stuff works. All I know is that everything we've done tonight has gone wrong. Yeah, it's gone wrong because you won't listen to me. Are you kidding? Because everything we've done has been your idea. But you didn't do it my way. You didn't let me handle the manicure. You freaked out when I talked to the sprites because you don't think I have good ideas. What? Of course I Onward is rated G and is not playing anywhere because the cinemas are all closed. Disney say it will appear on their Disney Plus streaming service in early April, but it's not clear whether that will apply here in New Zealand. Do you have a warrant? Mammy's already agreed to the search. I don't need a warrant. What's in the boxes? Shoes. You mind if I take a look? That's fine. Would you please hurry up? What did you say? It's just cold. Around the time that Moonlight won the Best Picture Oscar back in 2017, much was made of cinematographer James Laxton's ability to photograph people of colour in ways that showcased their skin tones beautifully. The point was being made that most directors of photography up to then would simply light African-American actors the way that they would light everybody else, but that was rarely flattering to them. Now we have a new candidate for the most beautiful portrayal of black actors, Queen and Slim, shot by Tat Radcliffe for debut director Melina Matsukas. It's gorgeous from beginning to end and extremely conscious of showcasing the two stars, Jodie Turner-Smith and Daniel Kaluuya, in the finest way imaginable. Which is good because the story of two unlikely partners on the run from the cops after a traffic stop goes wrong can sometimes be unbearably bleak. I liked your picture. Mm-hmm. You had this sad look on your face. I felt sorry for you. Damn. I didn't mean for that to sound shady. Well, it did. My dad took that picture of me. And to be honest, I don't have many photos of myself. Queen, played by British model and actress Jodie Turner-Smith, is a depressed defence lawyer on an unlikely Tinder date with retail worker Slim, played by Daniel Kaluuya from the fantastic thriller Get Out, and many other standout performances. Driving her home, Slim is pulled over by a racist cop. Things go badly, even though Slim tries to dial down the tension whichever way he can, and the cop is killed with his own gun. Now, you might have to suspend your disbelief here for a moment, although I suspect African-American viewers have less need to do that than privileged middle-class New Zealanders like myself, because the couple who aren't a couple decide that the system will not see this as an act of self-defence and that their best hope is to run and hope they can continue to outrun the forces of justice who are on their tail. You scared? No. You're lying. How do you know? You answer too fast. I thought if a person answered quickly, that meant they were telling the truth. My dad always told me if the person answered too quick, they had to lie ready to go. Well, that's good to know. 
The result is a road movie through the American South as they meet an odd bunch of characters, a great many of whom decide to help the fugitives out. This is one of the most striking aspects of the picture, that the African-American characters they meet instantly realise that there will be a miscarriage of justice if they're caught and decide to cheer these two people on. Of course, on the road, the two of them, who are at first completely mismatched, discover enough about each other to fall in love while barely keeping one step ahead of the law. You make a lot of noise when you eat. Woman, this could be my last meal. Would you just let me be? It's just hard for me to eat with you making that much noise. I never heard of someone not being able to eat because they're disgusted by the sound of other people eating. I know it's weird, but I have a thing about it. How you avoid the sounds of people eating? I eat alone most of the time. That's not surprising. Green and Slim is often unbearably tense because we know what we think is coming and our couple often find ways to not help themselves, but we find ourselves falling for them as they do for each other, which increases the stakes for audience and protagonists alike. I'll leave us some prayer. May I? Of course. I'd like to start by thanking God for the breath in my lungs. I'm grateful that we have a place to sleep tonight, food to put in our bellies. Thank you for bringing us this far. Thank you for this journey, no matter how it ends. Amen. 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 Queen and Slim is co-written by the dynamic African-American writer and actress Lena Waithe, who has created three television series that I am unfortunately unfamiliar with, The Chi, Boomerang and Twenties. She also provided the voice for a Cyclops cop in the film Onward we were just talking about, which is a nice coincidence. The other writer is the once notorious James Fry, who was pilloried for making up many details in his award-winning drug autobiography A Million Tiny Pieces in 2004, but who has reinvented himself as a fiction writer and screenwriter. I have to say that if there is one criticism of Queen and Slim, it's that we feel the manipulative hand of the writers leaning on the scales periodically, but at the same time, they have come up with some beautiful monologues that our actors deliver with great skill. What do you want? I want a guy to show me myself. I want him to love me so deeply I'm not afraid to show him how ugly I can be. I want him to show me scars I never knew I had. But I don't want him to make them go away. I want him to hold my hand while I nurse them myself. And I want him to cherish the bruises they leave behind. Queen and Slim is rated R13 for violence, offensive language and sex scenes, and it's playing precisely nowhere now. Bon, Pento, ici on est au bosquet, je sais pas si t'en as déjà entendu parler, mais à l'époque on rentrait pas, c'était la plus grande plaque tournante du stupéfiant. Il y a eu le shit, la coke, et l'héroïne qui a ravagé tout le quartier. Tous les anciens sont morts. Ok. Et puis t'as eu les frères Mus qui ont nettoyé le quartier. Frères musulmans Ouais, la BAC. La BAC Comment ça, la BAC La brigade anti-cam. C'est comme ça qu'on les appelle ici. 
Finally, another film about overreaching police action that has unintended and disastrous consequences, and coincidentally, another film in which the heavy hand of the writer comes close to destabilising the whole thing. This is the gritty French drama Les Miserables. In the Paris projects, a new recruit is introduced to the plainclothes special crimes unit, a team that tries to keep the lid on the roughest of neighbourhoods. The new guy, played by Damien Bonnard, gets the nickname Greaser from his two colleagues and they drive around to show him the ropes, and also to show off their own macho, bullying attitudes and their supposed dominance over the mostly black occupants of the high-rises that surround them. Ah ouais, mon frère, c'est quoi ça La tête de ma mère que si on revient ici, ça va être des bastos dans le cul qui vont repartir du quartier. Ça, c'est moi qui te le dis, cousin. Je vais les régler, ok On redescend, là, on calme. Maintenant, toi, tu me rends service. Mets la pression sur les petits, faut qu'on retrouve l'oignon. Je gagne quoi, moi, là-dedans, moi Comment ça, tu gagnes quoi Bah ouais. C'est plutôt qu'est-ce que tu vas perdre C'est très bien, ils vont venir, ils vont allumer tout le monde. Après, ça va se terminer avec des mères qui pleurent, c'est ça eh, que tu Les veux mères, elles vont pas pleurer, c'est bon, cousin. C'est ton taf, tenir les jeunes, t'es payé pour ça. Eh, Vas-y, ferme ta gueule, C'est ton taf. Qu'est-ce qu'il y a C'est un outrage, c'est moi qui Ça va, on se calme, on se calme. Arrête de faire ton cinéma, ferme ta gueule. I won't tell you what the inciting incident is because it's a terrific surprise when it happens, but I will say that an arrest goes wrong and a kid is injured. A drone camera has been filming the whole thing, and if it gets out, the careers of our three cops will be over. The trio try and get the memory card from the camera, making things worse at every turn. And the various forces that in reality do control the neighbourhood try and keep it from them. Les Miserables is terrific, tense drama and shows a side of Paris that we don't often see portrayed in the French cinema that usually arrives here. Those films that are highly sanitized or idealized versions of how France wants to see itself. This one is ugly but vital. You know, if we're malin, we can even les faire chanter. You imagine these bâtards de flics, they're going to eat in the main now. Je vais avoir tes idées sombres, toi. Regarde ça, là. Fais pas trop le con avec moi, cousin. Je peux te pourrir à la vie bien comme il faut. Le chien boit quand il sait qu'il ne peut mordre. Eh, hey, l'ancêtre, arrête de nous casser les couilles. Passe-nous cette putain de vidéo, là. Eh, hey, ça, là. On est là pour régler ce problème, OK Ce qui s'est passé, j'ai pas envie que ça arrive à mon petit frère. Tout le monde nous connaît dans le quartier. Les Miserables is rated R13 for violence, offensive language and sexual references. It's not playing anywhere at the moment because this is the world we live in now. And that's our program. We're listening to Catch the Sun by a little baby from the soundtrack of Queen and Slim. The soundtrack of that film is frankly stupendous. I'm Dan Slevin and you can find me on Twitter as at Dan Slevin, that's all one word. And there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. I'll be back here next week to cover the latest releases on local streaming services, so do join me for the At The Movies streaming edition at the same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.